The gospel for our meditation today comes from the book of John, chapter 15. Please stand in honor of the gospel. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He who cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The Gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Bloom where you are planted was stapled in bright green letters to the bulletin board. Underneath were laminated cutouts, one for each third grader, of flowers. A simple theme for the classroom, but an important one for any growing child. We can't always choose our situations in life, but we can choose how we respond. With hard work and a good attitude, we can get through whatever life throws at us and bloom where we are planted. Take these two students, seated right in the first row. At the beginning of the year, these girls were not on good terms. But they bloomed where they were planted, and by the end of the semester, they were inseparable. Or take that boy who just moved to town. At first, he was disappointed that there was no ice hockey team for him to play on, but he bloomed where he was planted, and he found that he very much enjoyed playing soccer. Fast forward, and he's a young businessman, with those early lessons still ingrained in him. At first, he's disappointed that his first management position is in such a small town. But he blooms where he is planted, and his business prospers because of it. However, the community is still dying, and even the most optimistic projections have him out of a job within just a couple years. Or take his classmate. With those lessons as well, despite the red flags, she married him. She knows that any marriage takes hard work, so she bloomed where she was planted. But after a few years and a couple kids, he barely talks to her, despite how hard she makes, she works to make his life comfortable. She can't shake the feeling that this is not what a marriage is supposed to be like. Her best friend since third grade chose as her confirmation verse 2 Peter 1, 5-7, which reads, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. In her life, she embraces this passage 
and in every aspect, tries to bloom where she is planted, knowing that this is what blooming looks like, not success or happiness, but by producing these fruits of the spirit. She works hard to cross each one off of the list in turn and rejoices at how far she has come. Until one day, she reads an article online that questions the very existence of God and the doubts that it raises in her are horrifying. All her life, her faith had bloomed and now it wilts. Bloom where you are planted is not inherently bad advice. Hard work and dedication can get us through a lot, but it can only take us so far, and it cannot bring us a single inch towards pleasing God. If hard work is the basis of our spiritual blooming, our fruits can only be bitter. So instead of blooming where we are planted, Jesus tells us to bloom where he is planted. So what is this blooming? Since we know that it's not a blooming in a secular sense, it doesn't mean happiness, it doesn't mean success. Well, to connect these plant metaphors, flowers will turn into fruit, and that fruit is our fruits of faith. Jesus tells us in our gospel that fruits of faith are what show us to be a disciple, and in short, they are what a Christian does. Paul, I think, sums it up best in Galatians 5, 21 and 22 when he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In short, being a disciple, bearing these fruits of faith, means living your life according to the Ten Commandments. But rather than the focus being on what we do or what we do not do, we focus more on how we live our lives, and why we do the things we do. In the chapter just before John 15, in John 14, Jesus tells his disciples that there is only one command, and that is to love each other. And then the fruits of faith are all the different flavors of that love. When that love is active in a Christian's life, the fruits of faith are evident. They show us to be our disciples, and our third grader's confirmation verse from 2 Peter's continues, if you possess these qualities, these fruits of faith, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus takes it even further, and he says that the Father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And then those branches are thrown away, gathered up, and burned. So if producing fruits of faith means you're a disciple, then to some extent, not producing those fruits means an amount of unbelief. If you would consider Jesus' 12 disciples, 11 of them were fruitful, but one was not. Judas was as close to Jesus as one could get. He was a branch in the vine in every seeming way, except he did not bear fruit. He fell away, and he would find a different branch to be connected to. So knowing these consequences, eternal consequences of not bearing fruit, we should try our hardest to bear fruit, right? Well, here's the thing about trying too hard. Sooner or later, you're going to get hurt. If you try too hard to sing, you're going to hurt your voice. If you try too hard to work and get ahead, eventually you'll burn yourself out. If you try too hard to fit in with a new group of friends, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. 
So physically, occupationally, socially, trying too hard doesn't really get you anywhere. And spiritually, we are far worse off. Try too hard to please God and to do good works, and you'll find out just how sinful and wretched you truly are. We forget that on our own, we are spiritually dead. There is nothing living in us, there is nothing growing, there is nothing blooming no matter where we are planted. If you consider your life according to that list that Paul gives us, patience, self-control, gentleness, how often do we live up to those standards? In truth, we are all broken, discarded twigs, trying our hardest to produce fruit for a perfect God. But why are we trying so hard to do what only God can accomplish? Why are we trying so hard by our own efforts to do what God does for us? Our passages from 2 Peter finish out this way. For, um, but if anyone does not have these, these qualities, these fruits of the Spirit, they are nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Do you notice this connection here? Peter gives us this entire shopping list of fruits of faith, saying make every effort to have these. And then he says, if you do not have them, it's not because you haven't been trying hard enough, it's not because you aren't good enough, it's because you have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your past sins. You can't have the fruits of faith without the roots of faith. And the roots of faith, of course, is the gospel. Jesus tells us that you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. We are cleansed, and we know that this is nothing that we did. God has forgiven our sins. He has washed us clean of all of our wickedness, and he has welcomed us into his family with open arms. This is what we run to when we have doubts. This is what we run to when we are, feel that we are ineffective in God's kingdom. This is what we run to at any point in our entire lives. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And it's all what Jesus has done. It is him dying for us. And we know it's not us because we know that we are discarded and broken twigs with no life in us. So never, never, ever think that God loves you or that God saved you because of who you are or what you've done. God saves you because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And that's the word that Jesus has spoken to us, right? It's the word that our singers sang for us, that God so loved the world in this way that he gave us his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There is no better comfort for Christians than this, this pure gospel, the message that it's all paid for, that everything is done. Jesus has accomplished it all. His resurrection reminds us that he is living and that we too will conquer death. Everything that we are, everything that we do as Christians holds together in this truth. We are like branches connected to a vine. On our own, we can do nothing, but connected to the vine, connected to Christ, drawing life from him, we can grow, we live, 
and we bloom. All to the glory of God. So stop trying so hard to do good works and produce fruit. Stop trying to bloom where you are planted. Just remain in the vine and bloom where Jesus is planted. I'll read some words again from our gospel. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And there you have it. That's the secret. That is the base of producing good fruits, of living your lives as Christians and as disciples. You remain in Jesus. A branch that remains in the vine will produce good fruit, and a Christian that remains in Jesus will produce good works. Jesus is the source. He saves us from our sins, and he feeds us so that we can produce fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing, so all that is left for us to do is to remain in Jesus. So does that mean that we need to try really hard to remain in Jesus? No, because at that point, we're trying too hard to not try so hard, and we end up looking like when you tell a little kid to try really hard to do something, and then they scrunch up their face and they go like, it's silly, but we are just as ineffective. No, we remain in Jesus. That's all, that's all it is. Try really hard to remain in your seats. How hard are you trying? It's, it's what you're already doing, right? We are already in Jesus. So remaining is a passive thing. It's like Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Remain in the vine. And that's the wonderful thing about Christianity. It's not up to you. Jesus has already done it all. So why then do we have issues? If it's all up to Jesus, why is living a life as a Christian so difficult? Why do we struggle to produce fruit? We don't always feel like showing love to one another or even going to church. We struggle with patience and self-control. Well, we are still sinful, and the world is still sinful. And that sin is always trying to get between us and Jesus, to interrupt that connection. So is that sin something that we should fight against and try really hard to defeat it? In a way, but we fight sin in the same way that we would fight a cold. You rest and you remain in a healthy environment. It's the same with this. Jesus has already done it all for you. He saved you from sin and he has given you eternal life let him fight the sin in your day-to-day -day life, too. If a branch remains in the vine, it will produce fruit. So if it's not producing fruit, chances are that there is something wrong with its connection. It's the same way with us. If you feel that you are being not as effective as you should in your life, check your connection to Jesus. How does he impact your daily life? We should be as close to him as a branch is to a vine. But I think often we're more like a minivan connected to a gas station. We pull up on Sundays, we fill up our tank with Jesus, and then we drive off to do our own thing. When that gas light comes back on, we head back. No, being a branch 
means a constant connection. Well, in the age of smartphones and the internet, we have some idea of what a constant connection can be. But I think sometimes we're connected to Jesus like we're connected to our Facebook friends. Oh yeah, he's on our friends list. We read his posts, we like his photos. But beyond that, no, being a branch means a constant and rich connection. Now what does that look like? It's like what you're doing now, coming to church, praying, praising God, listening to his word, taking the sacraments, all of this is ways that God feeds us with his word and strengthens us to produce fruit. But it doesn't stop here. At your homes, prayer and worship must also happen. Studying God's word, having devotions by yourselves or with your families, as much of God's word as can enter your life as possible, the stronger you will be. Also, living your life according to the Ten Commandments, the fruits of faith that we've talked about, patience, love, faith, by embracing these and not resisting them in your life, these are all great ways to be a good disciple, to let God's word keep your relationship with him healthy. Just don't forget that he is the source of it all. It all comes from him. So imagine if our third grade bulletin board had bloom where Jesus is planted, printed up on it. How would that affect our third graders' lives? Our young businessmen would know that God is the origin of every, every blessing in our life, and that finding a new job isn't the end of the world. Our housewife would know that the center to every healthy and loving relationship is not the effort of one or both spouses, but it is the love that flows from him who first loved us. And our confirmand, struggling with doubts in her life, would know that faith and everything good in us comes from God. When our lives are shaken, when our faiths are troubled, we run to him for more, and he promises to give it to us. Brothers and sisters, this life is full of trouble and full of sin, and we are too. Don't make it worse by thinking that it's all up to you to solve. The gardener is in control. The vine is living. Remain in him. Remain in that life. And bloom where Jesus is planted. Amen. This message was a production of St. Marcus Lutheran Church. For similar content, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or our YouTube channel. For more information about how to support our urban gospel ministry in Milwaukee, please visit stmarcus.org.